Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Purdy, and after a brief vacation, we're back and we're going to wrap up the NFC West in these next two episodes. This one, doing the San Francisco 49ers. Let's get on into it. All right, so in case you're new here, what we do is we go over each team position by position and just give a general overview of the whole roster. At the end of all that, I'm going to talk about the um, floor and the ceiling of this team, what I think can go wrong, what I think can go right. Talk about the Vegas over-under, whether or not I think this team will hit that over or the under, and then the biggest strength and the weakness of the roster. At the end of this whole series, which after this, the NFC West, all that's left is the AFC West, we're going to be doing a season prediction and then a season's award prediction and playoff prediction. So if you want to stick around for that, hit the subscribe button. And without any further ado, let's get on into um, the San Francisco 49ers. All right, and kicking things off with the quarterbacks, as always, we have Trey Lance, Nate Sudfeld, Brock Purdy, and Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this roster, even though... Well, I'll get into that. All right, so Trey Lance might be the single biggest X-factor of the whole NFL season. The third overall pick from last year has all the tools to be the best quarterback in the league. He's an elite athlete with a cannon of an arm and is playing for one of the most quarterback-friendly systems in the league. He's only 22, and he had a year to sit and learn the system, and the Niners are confident enough in his growth that they are moving on from a quarterback who brought them to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship in two of the last three seasons and the last two seasons that that quarterback has been healthy. If we were calling Lance the MVP by the end of the year, I honestly would not be surprised. However, if we were calling Lance one of the biggest disappointments of this year, that also wouldn't shock me. He only had one season as a starter at the FCS level while playing at NDSU, which has such superior talent to every other FCS level program. While there, they relied on their superior athletes. Lance only passed the ball 319 total times. For reference, Mac Jones had 406 passes in his lone season as a starter at Alabama. Lance hasn't showed too much to be worried about, and if any coaching staff can get the most out of him, you would hope that it's the Niners. But he's just so raw and unproven that honestly anything can happen, and I think that's what makes the Niners an exciting must-watch team this season. Sudfeld was taken in the sixth round in 2016, and his most notable accomplishment right now is being the quarterback that the Eagles threw in Week 17 in 2020 to throw the game. So they better hope that um, Lance is a lot more durable than Jimmy Garoppolo. Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant this year. He looked exciting as a freshman at Iowa in 2018, but regressed after losing Hakeem Butler, looking like a career backup type who should stick around in that role, but never really elevating his situation as a bit of a limited passer. And Jimmy G, he's the definition of a quarterback you can win with, not because He's accurate for the most part, but definitely struggles in the middle of the field and has a tendency to like not see a linebacker and just gift them the ball. The Niners knew that they could win with him, obviously having tremendous success with him, but he can't get them over the hump and also has a bunch of injury concerns. He won't be on this team, even as a backup. Uh, they can't have Trey Lance looking over his shoulders the whole season, but I honestly don't see another team wanting to pick up his massive salary. So I think he will get cut um, unless another team just has like a quarterback go down or if the Browns maybe decide to make a push with their salary situation, um, they have a pretty good situation right now. They could absorb that blow and have um, 
Garoppolo starting for those 11 games, which only 11, man. Uh, I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, moving on, we're going to go to the running backs where they have Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jamichael Hasty, Tyreon Davis-Price, Jordan Mason, and Kyle Juszczyk at fullback. So no team knows how to get the most out of overlooked running backs like the Niners. And yeah, no team likes to draft and sign guys who won't even start for them like the Niners. Um, the first example, we have Elijah Mitchell. He's a home run threat running back. Drafted in the sixth round last year, his elite speed matched perfectly with his outside zone offense. And he had 100 yards in his first ever game. He played 11 games as a rookie in and out of the lineup with injuries, but he finished with 963 yards and almost as impressively zero fumbles. The Niners running backs are the hardest position group to predict just because who knows what um, Kyle Shanahan's going to want on a given week. But it feels pretty safe to say that Mitchell will carry the rock for the most of the time when he is healthy. Sermon was taken in the third round last year and was heavily outproduced by fellow rookie Mitchell, even though he was taken three rounds earlier. Sermon is a bigger back, at least compared to Mitchell, at 6'1", 215. He has good suddenness and explosiveness, but he definitely lacks the top speed of most backs who succeed in this outside zone type of scheme. The Niners have gotten some good production out of Wilson, despite his li limited athleticism. The UDFA from 2018 had a good 2020 where he started many games for the Niners, but he's also a back who's dealt with injuries throughout his career. His limited upside and injury history could honestly make him a bit of a surprise cut candidate here, um, especially with such a deep roster. But he definitely is a lot more proven than the guys behind him, so they might want to keep him around just for that security. Hasty is an undersized, shifty receiving back type who went undrafted in 2020. He's been buried on the depth chart so far, but has produced when given the opportunity, so maybe he can get some more looks in year three, despite the Niners taking another running back in round three. Davis Price is that annual back that the Niners bring in that just kind of makes you scratch your head. Taken in the third round at LSU, he was productive there as the lead back, and he has good top speed, but lacks some of that short area quickness to make that first guy miss and was hardly used in the passing game. With a pretty good room already set and a track record of good production from later round picks, undrafted guys, or street free agents, a third round pick on Davis Price is just confusing. Hopefully he can show us all why he was picked so highly, but looking at it from the outside is just confusing and is like a wait-and-see situation. I hope he proves me wrong, but yeah, he I, I'm not too confident, at least in his year one outlook. Then Mason is a UDFA from this class. Juszczyk, he's the best fullback in the league. He's an amazing blocker and also a legitimate threat in the receiving game off of play action. Um, having over 200 yards each year since joining the Niners back in 2017, which... Yeah, 200 isn't like a lot if you're looking at a receiver or even a running back, but it's a fullback who doesn't get a bunch of snaps. He's making the most of every opportunity he has. So for wide receivers, they have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Danny Gray, Malik Turner, Ray Ray McLeod III, Marcus Johnson, Austin Mack, Willie Sneed IV, and Tay Martin. Debo Samuels is one of the most, if not the most, dynamic receivers in the league. He finished the season with 1,400 yards and 6 touchdowns through the air and 365 yards and 8 touchdowns on the ground. He's obviously this amazing hybrid player, but I think people are underrating his ability as a receiver. A lot of people just view him as a gimmick, but they started using him as a back in week 10, like 
a lot more than they had previously. Like he had saw a couple snaps, but week 10 is when that production really started to kick up. And then they really dove into it in week 11 and on. From weeks one through nine, Debo averaged 110 receiving yards a game. And then he started seeing about five to 15 snaps on the backfield and eight or five to eight carries a game. His versatility and effectiveness in each position makes it difficult for defenses just to match personnel from the huddle as they could realistically face a loaded box and just move Debo to receiver. Or if there's a light box, like one linebacker look, put Debo in a running back and just gash him. He got this big contract extension despite earlier rumors. He seems perfectly content with carrying the ball and helping the team, and I'm just excited to see how they use him again. And Ayuk had a really solid rookie season, but then started last year in the doghouse for whatever reason. He worked his way back up and looked great by the end of this year, which really helped the Niners have the flexibility to put Debo to use in creative ways. He's not like the biggest, fastest, or best route runner, but Ayuk is amazing with the ball in his hands, and no one is better at scheming open receivers than Kyle Shanahan. With a full offseason as a starter now, he's primed for like a really big year three and I think could shock a lot of people. Juwan Jennings is a big-bodied slot receiver who's definitely a limited athlete, but a good, like, big contested catch target. The 2020 seventh-round pick struggled with concentration drops, and he doesn't have the highest upside just due to, like, his physical limitations, but he can... If he can like work on consistently catching the ball when open, he's uh, just like a safe target for his young quarterback, which is far from a bad thing. Gray was taken in the third round this year out of SMU. At six foot one eighty with four three three speed, he'll be this team's big play threat, brought on to keep defenses honest and take the top off when safeties are creeping up too much. He also showed a nice contested catch ability at SMU, hauling in 57% of his contested opportunities. So hopefully that skill can at least transfer um, to the NFL. Definitely an uptick in talent in the cornerbacks he'll be facing, but he's definitely shown the ability to so far. Turner went undrafted in 2018, and he's seen some time with the Seahawks and Cowboys not really doing too much yet. He's got a decent combination of size and speed and the ability to place both inside and outside, though but he's going to have to fight to make this roster. McLeod is a shifty, undersized slot receiver who can also provide some value as a returner, coming over from the Steelers after previously being drafted in the sixth round by the Bills in 2018. Johnson is a depth speed threat at 6'1", 200 with a 4'3", speed. He's matched around the league so far and been filling that role since going undrafted in 2016. Mack went undrafted in 2020, but he hasn't played much so far. Sneed went undrafted in 2014, and he looked good playing both inside and out for the Saints in 2015 and 16, but he fell off after that and couldn't refine that early career success. And Martin is a UDFA from this class. So for tight ends, they have George Kittle, Charlie Warner, Tyler Croft, Ross Dwelly, Troy Fumagalli, and Tanner Hudson. Kittle is the best overall tight end in the league. He's a great route runner and a menace with the vault in his hands, and he also might be the best blocking tight end despite being still like a great receiving threat. Because of his physical play style, though, he can't stay healthy, and that's just been a problem throughout his career. Um, When he is out there, as I said, he's the best, and he's going to help elevate this team so much, but it is that reliability thing, and are you going to count on him to be the best when, as they say, the best ability is availability, so... It's hard to put him as the crown, but if we're just talking about talent, he's definitely the best. 
Warner has mostly been used as a blocking tight end since being taken in the sixth round in 2020. He's good in that role and is a good athlete, so maybe he can produce a bit if Kittle goes down, but he hasn't really proven that he can do that yet, you know? Croft looked like he could be a decent starting level tight end, but has struggled to stay healthy since 2017. He likely won't see much playing time unless Kittle is out, but obviously that's been really common recently, so we could see him getting a couple hundred yards this season, and that wouldn't shock me. Dwelly went undrafted in 2018 and has been a depth tight end so far with the Niners, uh, filling in decently for Kittle in 2020, putting up over 200 yards, but he really didn't do much last year. Fumagalli was taken in the fifth round in 2018, but he hasn't played since 2020 and has only seen limited action then. And Hudson went undrafted in 2018, not really doing much at all so far. So for offensive line, their projected starters are Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Buford, and Mike McGlinchey, with Colton McKivitz, Sam Schulter, Alfredo Gutierrez, Jalen Moore, Justin School, and Jordan Mills backing up at tackles. Jason Poe, Keaton Sutherland, and Nick Zakelge backing up at guards, and Daniel Brunskill and Donovan West backing up at center. Williams was the best left tackle in the league last year. He's a great pass blocker, but he really makes his money in the run game. If you want to have some fun, just look up his highlights and watch him just absolutely erase two 300-pound grown men, especially when the Niners started using him as a puller in space. There's no player in the league you would rather run behind than him. Mikivitz was taken in the fifth round in 2020 and hasn't played a lot yet, looking like a backup when he does get out there. Shuttler went undrafted this year, and Gutierrez went undrafted last year. Banks was taken in the second round last year, but he hardly played. Many were surprised to see that he was picked so highly as someone who seemed to have like a limited upside, so we'll see if the Niners can prove everyone wrong this year with him slated to start. Poe is a UVFA from this class. Brendel went undrafted in 2016, but hasn't really played much so far, seeing his most snaps in 2018 with the Dolphins where he played at like a backup caliber level. Now with a few more seasons of experience under his belt, the Niners need him to start with the retirement of Alex Mack. Brunskill went undrafted in 2017 and has started each of the last two years at guard or center, providing some replacement level starter play. And West is a UDFA from this class. Burford was taken in the fourth round this year out of UTSA, and appears to be making the transition to guard uh, professionally because he was a tackle in college and he's got like a real shot of winning the starting gig right away he's currently slated to and has been kicking ass in um, practices and preseason so far sutherland went undrafted in 2019 and has bounced around as a backup not playing too much yet but he does have uh, flexibility of playing all three interior positions and zakelge is a udfa from this class McGlinchey was picked ninth overall in 2018. He's been a great run blocker, but has definitely left something to be desired as a pass protector and has dealt with some injuries throughout his career. He's playing on his fifth year option now, and I think he'll still be a starter next year, but um, if he wants to remain on the Niners, I think he'd have to step it up a bit and remain healthy. Moore was picked in the fifth round last year and made some spot starts at both tackle spots, playing all right for a rookie, but he's a already old um or not old but older for a second year player at 25. school was taken in the sixth round in 2019 and saw a lot of starts as a rookie but didn't really play too good he made a couple more appearances in 2020 but none at all last year 
Mills was taken in the fifth round in 2013 and has seen a lot of starts under his belt, but hasn't been a team's week one starter since 2018, and he will be turning 32 this season. So for their interior defensive line, they have Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Hassan Ridgeway, Kevin Givens, Akeem Spence, Kevin Atkins, and Kalia Davis. Armstead is a versatile defensive lineman selected in the first round in 2015. He got off to a slower start to his career, but had a career year in 2019 with 62 pressures and 11 sacks. He's able to be an early down edge run defender and then also be an extremely effective um, interior rusher. So his versatility helps this um, Niners defensive line get the best guys on the field. The Niners traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts in 2020, and they used the pick that they got to draft Kinlaw, hoping that they could partially recreate him on a much cheaper cost. However, he's not been effective when on the field so far and has mixed significant time with injuries. The Niners are hoping for a year three breakout here because the rest of this interior group doesn't have a lot of upside. Ridgeway was taken in the fourth round 2019 and has been a rotational interior lineman, but has been all right at best against the, both the run and the pass, not really providing much value in either aspect. Givens is an undersized defensive tackle who went undrafted in 2019 and has been like a rotational level player for the Niners since then. Spence was taken in the fourth round in 2013 by the Bucks and was a decent rotational pass rushing um, focused lineman there, but his playing time, his production has been going down each year since 2019. He's just getting up in there in age, you know. Atkins and Davis, they're both UDFAs from this class. So for edge defenders, they have Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam, Charles O'Menohue, Drake Jackson, Jordan Willis, Kerry Hyder Jr., Alex Barrett, and Kamoku Toure. Bosa came into the league and was instantly one of the best pass rushers as a rookie, where he had 80 pressures and 10 sacks. He tore his ACL in year two, but played incredibly in year three, having 75 pressures and 16 sacks. There's no reason to believe that Bosa won't have a year or multiple where we call him the best in the league, it's just a matter of, is this going to be the year where he can establish himself as that? Ebukam was taken in the fourth round by the Rams in 2017, and last year was his first with the Niners. It also was his best year so far, playing as a rotational rusher and getting 34 pressures and six sacks. There's some other exciting young talent in this room, so maybe he's still just going to be a rotational player, but you definitely can't complain about what he's provided in the red and gold so far. Omenihu was an exciting young player drafted by the Texans in the fifth round in 2019 and traded midway through last year to the Niners. He doesn't provide much as a run defender, but he has shown some real nice flashes as a pass rusher. He couldn't see the field that much in San Francisco as much as he did in Houston, but maybe he can get a bit more action now with the departure of D Ford. Jackson will come in this year and be a designated pass rusher early in his career, taken in the second round out of USC this year. While playing there, he showed amazing upside as a great speed rusher, but he lacks that power and physicality against the run. He'll come in on obvious passing situations and provide some bend around the edge, but he'll need to learn how to convert his speed into power more if he wants to become a full-time productive edge. Willis was taken in the third round in 2017 by the Bengals, but he hasn't really done much yet, seen a couple hundred snaps a uh, season as a rotational edge, not providing the most value. Um, Hyder, he went undrafted in 2014 and had a surprising breakout year with the Niners in 2020. His 55 pressures and 9 sacks got him a decent payday from the Seahawks, but he couldn't recreate his success there. So now back on the Niners, can he succeed again, or is he going to be buried in this pretty deep room? 
Barrett went undrafted in 2017, but he hasn't played much yet. His success in the AAF in 2019 got him second looks in the NFL, but so far they haven't led to much playing time. Intuve was taken in the second round in 2018 by the Colts, but could never establish himself there and not being trusted against the run and not producing against the pass. So for linebackers, they have Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshair, Curtis Robinson, Oren Burks, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, Marcelino McCray Ball, Sigan Alubi, and Jeremiah Gemmel. Warner is one of the best linebackers in the league. Taken in the third round in 2018, he developed fast and is one of the best, if not the best, cover backers and is more than good enough against the run. Greenlaw has been a good second linebacker here, taken in the fifth round of 2019. He's dealt with some injuries last year, but when he is out there, he's a sure tackler and good enough as a second linebacker in coverage. Ashair started in Greenlaw's place last year and was alright, and as like a third linebacker, he should be able to fill that role pretty well. He did have a couple games where he was picked apart in coverage, but he is a good run stuffer. Um, we'll just see how often he is able to play, uh, especially with the return of Greenlaw. Robinson went undrafted last year and saw some snaps with the Broncos, but didn't really impress there. Burks was taken in the third round in 2018 by the Packers and looked like he could be a good cover first linebacker there for them. However, he was often injured and picked apart when he would get out there. He needs to stay healthy as he did last year, but he only would see a couple snaps a game for the Packers and he now needs to fight to stick on an NFL roster. Flanagan Fowles went undrafted in 2019, looking good in limited snaps he's gotten so far. The McRae Ball, Alubi, and Gamel are all UDFAs in this class. So for cornerbacks, they have Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Samuel Warmack III, Ambry Thomas, Deontay Johnson, Jason Brett, Diomidor Lenore, Tariq Castro-Fields, Ken Crawley, Quantrez Knight, and Kadar Holman. Ward went undrafted in 2018 and became the starter for the Chiefs in 2019. He's gotten better each year and developed into a pretty good press man corner with the ability to see succeed in multiple types of coverages. He could be a sneaky good signing for the Niners who desperately need some help with their corners. Uh, Mosley went undrafted in 2018 and developed into a nice starter here. He missed some time last year but played pretty good overall when he was healthy out there and could be even better this year opposite a number one corner. Warmack was drafted in the fifth round out of Toledo this year and has impressed in camp this preseason as the nickel, earning the starting gig already with the Niners cutting Darquez Denard. Thomas was taken in the third round last year and saw some snarts, but did get beat a lot as a rookie. He's got a good size and uh, frame profile to be a solid corner, but he was hardly tested in college due to opting out and not playing much before that. I don't think he'll play much this year barring injuries, but he, maybe he can impress enough in limited action to be the starter next year. Johnson was taken in the fourth round in 2014 and has started for one season where he didn't play well for the Niners. He had a brief stint with the Bills in 2018 before coming back to the Niners and being a depth piece again. Verrett is one of the, the best corners in the league, but he's unable to stay healthy. He had two healthy seasons since being taken in the first round in 2014, and he played amazingly. However, you just can't rely on him because of those other six seasons. If he can't stay healthy, he'll probably be the number one out there. And this would be like a real sick corner group. Like it's already looking nice, but with Fred, whew. But that's sadly just so unlikely that I'm not even banking on it, you know. 
Lenore was taken in the fifth round last year and made two starts and a couple other appearances, but he didn't really play too well, was heavily targeted, went out there, and gave us some pretty big plays. And Castro Fields, he was taken in the sixth round this year out of Penn State. He's a good athlete and a strong physical player, but he never lived up to the original hype he had and will be 24 by the end of the season. Crawley went undrafted in 2016, and he had a decent 2017 campaign with the Saints, but played worse next season and has been a backup since. And Knight is a UDFA from this class, and Holman was picked in the sixth round in 2019 by the Packers, but hasn't played yet. All right, for safeties, they have Jimmy Ward, Talanoa Hufanga, George Odom, Tarverius Moore, and Taylor Hawkins. Ward is picked in the first round in 2014 by the Niners and has been a solid safety for them. He's a great run defender and doesn't get beat deep too often and is able to play both over top or close to the line of scrimmage. I definitely could see him playing deep more often this year with the departure of Tart and Hufanga being the other likely starter here as like a more of a box safety type. And I think he'll be great there, occasionally giving up the big play, but overall doing a real nice job. Hufanga was taken in the fifth round last year and played a bit as a rookie. He's projected a lot more as a box safety, but he did play a decent amount of free safety as a rookie. We'll see if the Niners keep him in this role, as he is a bigger safety who is good against the run, but has his qualms in coverage. Odom went undrafted in 2018 and saw some good actions, including multiple starts last year for the Colts. He's a speedy, deep safety type who can come in and play opposite of Ward with Hufanga in the box in three safety sets, or even push Hufanga for that second starting safety role if they'd rather just run too high. Moore was picked in the third round in 2018 and developed into a third safety here, better against the run than in coverage. He missed all of last year with an Achilles injury, though, and could get phased out here with the emergence of Hufanga and the signing of Odom. And Hawkins is a UDFA from this class. Go Aztecs, hopes he make it. Um, SDSU guy. All right, and now for their special teams. They have Robbie Gold at kicker, Mitch Wisnowski at punter, and Tabor Pepper at long snapper. Gold has been a good kicker in his career besides 2019. Um, as long as they don't get that again, he should once again be a good kicker. Wisnowski was taken in the fourth round in 2019 and has been a good punter, but probably not fourth round good, but at least he's like, you know, above average. Um, Pepper, he's been the long snapper since 2020. All right, and now it's for time for my season projection where I talk about their floor ceiling, everything that goes wrong and right. Um, the over-under, whether or not I think they're going to hit that over-under, and then the biggest strength and weakness on this roster. So I'm putting the floor of this team at 7-10, and 10, and honestly, like now that preseason games are going, man, Lance has looked nice so far. Um, so I, uh, the 7-10 and 10 is seeming more and more realistic or unrealistic, but I'm putting it just in case it's like some preseason fakeness, you know? Um, things that can lead to this 7-10 record. The biggest thing is Lance not looking like the future. Uh, misreading defenses, bailing from clean pockets, and being inaccurate. Like, I could definitely see him being that type of quarterback. I don't think it will happen, especially with how he's looked so far, but there's still the chance, you know? Um, these running backs produce in the scheme, but they don't really elevate above what's really given to them by the good scheme. Debo can't repeat the success, which was kind of like... Um, unable to be like that running back wide receiver hybrid and take over the league and Ayuk doesn't take that step up in year three Kittle he's in and out with injuries uh Trent he's going to be a stud but the rest of this line is pretty full of question marks and could be legitimately bad Kinlaw could still look bad in year three so Armstead is practically the only guy in the middle 
Bosa's going to be a beast, but there could just be like average play from the other edge rushers opposite of him with just the guys like rotating in and out there. Warner, he has like kind of a down year again like he did last year. Still good, but not 2020 good. And Greenlaw, he kind of looks slow, not as good coming off his injury. Ward can't beat that number one here in San Francisco, and Mosley is just like, all right. And then Warmack in the slot just kind of getting worked as a rookie. Ward is just like average. He um, regresses a bit, and Hufanga, he just like does not look the part in coverage at all. However, this team is so well constructed. I love this roster, and if Trey Lance is as good as they, um, as good as he could be, this could realistically be one of the best teams in the league and finish with a thirteen and four record despite playing the hellish schedule of the NFC West, obviously because they're in the division and the AFC West. Um, Lance could be the MVP, taking advantage of his quarterback-friendly system and elevating it to new heights with his crazy arm and athletic ability. Mitchell or some other running back is able to take advantage of the scheme and get even more yardage on their own than what's just provided. Debo continues to be electric, and Ayuk looks like a number one receiver, despite having Debo opposite of him. Um, Kittle is able to stay healthy and show us why he's the best in the league again. Williams is awesome as always. Banks, he kind of was like, okay, this is why he was picked in year two. We start seeing some of that. And Brendel shows us why this team didn't try to invest in another center. Buford, he's able to hold his own as a surprise starting rookie. And McGlinchey is able to stay healthy, showing some progress and pass pro and still being dominated against the run. Kinlaw can show some promise too, showing off his pass rushing skills that got him drafted so highly. Bosa is the deep boy having an incredible season with Ebukam, um, Omenihu, and or Jackson um, looking op- great opposite of him in that rotation. Warner and Greenlaw look like one of the best linebacker duos. If Verrett's able to stay healthy, whew, this is going to be crazy. But even not, um, Ward and Mosley could be like a really solid line or uh, cornerback duo, a lot better than what they've had in the past. And Warmack should could be amazing as a rookie um, slot. We kind of tend to see that a lot. Just like one guy blowing up Desmond King a couple years ago, Nate Hobbs last year. Um, and then Jimmy Ward is able to play above average. And um, Hufanga definitely shows some development and coverage and is a good safety for his role. So the over under here is set at nine and a half. And that's one of those. What do you think of the quarterback? I could see this going either way just because, yeah, Lance is such like a question mark at this point, but I'm willing to bet on his work ethic and this coaching staff getting the best out of him, protecting him with the scheme and his rushing ability, but also letting him make some plays that Jimmy G just physically couldn't. I'm not going to go like game by game, like how I have done in the past, because each game they could win or they could lose. It just depends on is Lance good. And this is a hellish schedule, but this is also a loaded roster and could have an amazing quarterback. So it's like, yeah, they could realistically win any game, but they could realistically lose. Um, we just need to see who Lance is. And I think there definitely is reason to believe that he's great. So I'm going to take the over. Like, I think 10, 11 wins. Like, I feel like the Niners are going to be like an 11 and 16 wild card. Maybe push 12 and get that, um, not one seed, the title away from the Rams. And 
moving on, the biggest strength I'm putting as their offensive weapons, and part of the reason why I think Lance is going to be great is who he's going to. Kittle's the best tight end in the league. I won't argue too much if you want to say Kelsey or even Andrews after the amazing year he had last year, but personally, when he's healthy, there's no one I'd rather have than Kittle. And Debo, he might be the best player with the ball in his hands, although Kittle might take that crown too. He's a great receiver, and his versatility just adds another wrinkle to the offense that defenses need to worry about. And Ayuk has shown signs of being a great wide receiver, but so far he's just not been able to put it together for a full season. But now out of the Shanahan doghouse, he's definitely got a shot to be great this year. However, a reason that Lance might not succeed is this offensive line. It scares me. Um, The rollouts, moving pockets, and Lance's mobility and a good scheme, it's going to protect this line. But I think Williams is the only for sure plus starter right now. Um, to be fair, he is the best left tackle in the league, so that's going to be a huge plus. But we have like a second-year player who many thought was going to be a reach in the second round. You got a journeyman backup who went undrafted in 2016 at center. Um, a rookie tackle from UTSA playing at guard. And an injury-prone right tackle who has struggled to protect his quarterback so far. But he's an excellent run blocker. They could be a decent offensive line. Like, there's, I wouldn't be shocked if I come out of this being like, okay, yeah, this is like an average above average offensive line, but there's definitely a path to this offensive line being terrible and hindering Lance's development. All right, so that's going to be do it for the, today's episode. Uh, this is a really fun team to break down because, yeah, as I said, this team can be either one of the best in the league or just kind of like a middling um, story and like, this is why you don't risk it all for a quarterback when you already have like a decent one in place. Um, if you liked what you saw, leave a like. Um, leave a comment below. Let me know what you think of this team, whether you think I'm too high, too low on them. What do you think about specific plays? Do you think Trey Lance is going to be this MVP type that I definitely think he's going to at least be in the conversation for? Or do you think he's going to be a bust? And yeah, uh, hit the subscribe button if you want to stick around to the end of the series and hear what I have to say about the whole NFL season. I'm going to be pumping out these episodes because I did take a bit of a big so you're going to get a lot more content in these next couple days. And then the NFL season is going to kick off. And I'm going to be making two episodes a week talking about every single game. So stick around for that. I'll see you later.